Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start out by saying thank you so much, listeners, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors who provide so much support for us. If you manage to kill that dream whitetail buck or maybe that bull sprig, check out Whitetail Classics Taxidermy, owned by Jody Schultz out of Louisville, Nebraska. Basically can put together whatever you can dream up. So check them out at whitetailclassicstaxidermy.com or his Facebook and if you want to talk to him today or book something, call him at 402-630-0031. Next up is Spores Wet Basement Solutions. Their services include water damage and crack repairs, landscaping, concrete driveways, grading, and more. Their recommendations provide solutions that are a long-term and not temporary fix. They do it right the first time. If you want additional information, you can check out spores.com or contact them at 402-476-8588. If you're like me and like to drive your wife nuts every season with a new duck or goose, call right, baby. Yep. Pretty much. Call, uh, check out B. Hoover Custom Calls. Brent Hoover out of North Pot, Nebraska is one of the best that comes around. He actually uh, got second at Best of Show at NWTF Nationals. Awesome guy. Personal friend of the family. Actually helped my dad harvest his bull elk. He specializes in wood, duck, and goose calls, turkey pots, dog whistles, and shotgun shell teal whistles. Awesome guy. Check him out at behoovercustomcalls.com. If your vehicle gets disgusting like my husband does during hunting season, meep, meep. <laughs> check out Dirty Devil Detailing. They do interior and exterior detailing as well as headlight restoration and more. They also are certified in glass parency and take anything from vehicles, boats, jet skis, ATVs, and motorcycles. The devil is truly in the detailing. They're located in Omaha, Nebraska, and if you want additional information, check them out on dirtydevildetailing.com. If you're like me and have taken a few L's here this early season and pretty much (laughs) (laughs) if you're like me and taking some L's and you really want that perfect hunt with the buddies and just get out there and enjoy what's going on and have to worry about anything, check out the other guys outfitters. They do an incredible job of, uh, dry field duck and goose hunts you can check out their pile picks on facebook and if you're wanting to book a hunt today call Krager at 308-637-7777 if you're needing some professional photography done check out my business faithful images our mission is to faithfully capture images of god's creation in time that will one day serve as a memory we do anything from infants couples families seniors weddings announcements and more check it out at faithfulimages.org or on instagram and facebook if you're ever sitting there during covid and thought to yourself i really need to get on that dream hunt i don't know (laughs) what what's going to happen in life but i need to get in that dream hunt check out chaku peru he does hunts in u.s south america and europe if you've seen some of his pics or videos if you haven't jump on his facebook or instagram has some incredible hunts and does some incredible things. Uh, check him out at chakuperu.com for more details. Our last sponsor is Redbeard's Custom Calls. They specialize in acrylic duck and goose calls. Andrew made me one of the, a one-of-a-kind marble white and hot pink dunk call. It sounds incredible. It looks amazing. If you want more information, check it out on Facebook. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the support, and let's go ahead and jump in the podcast.
All right, y'all. We're back to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. Today it's Hunter and Shay. She's back. I'm back. So if you guys listened to the episode a couple weeks ago, she was in Haiti. What, what were you doing in Haiti, babe? Um, I was working on a clinic missionary trip. So basically, we hiked up into the mountains and we're treating patients for free, um, as well as discipling them. There you go. What yeah. to, what was the ministry name? Um. Mountaintop Ministry. So she went with Mountaintop Ministries, and if anybody doesn't know, she's a nurse during her day-to-day, you know, business or life, and she went up there to help some people. One of many jobs. One of many jobs. One of many. Tell us a fun story. Uh, about Haiti? Yeah, just one. Oh my goodness. I don't know. You got uh, one. What one? Which one? Oh, I can't remember. The leg, the abscess, the resurrection, the Oh my gosh. I don't you just pick one out. Just one. Just even, one? Yeah. Um I'll do the resurrection one. That one sounds pretty interesting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um long story short, Haiti is known for um voodoo religion. If you don't know what that is, just Google it or Hunter can explain. But um basically they were trying to resurrect someone um from the dead, so it was quite interesting to see um just like their practice and what their culture is and what they believe and um them trying to bring someone back from the dead just a dead body (laughs) literally laying on the ground so so that's exciting yeah it went from dead animals you know going hunting to people i guess wow that got dark that got dark real quick (laughs) Woo! i'm so sorry so let's try to get on a little more positive yes haiti's beautiful (laughs) Uh, this, I've got messages about this back and forth and it's just something that I felt like was a good thing to cover and something that I'm really passionate about. And we've actually talked about in the past was, uh, my, like our experience with training Nala. So mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't listened before, Nala's our black lab. She's a little over two, um, really has been a journey because I've had dogs in the past. My grandpa had dogs that I, you know, some were worked with my dad had a dog growing up that I kind of worked with and but there's just something different when you have your own first black lab that you train by yourself right and it's been something I remember when we first got together like I was like what I want in life is I want a nice truck a dog and a house and a beautiful wife you forgot the one (laughs) that look though (laughs) you did say that though I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm beautiful, so we're good. <laughs> Cocky. <laughs> That's my beautiful wife over there. Woo! But uh, on a real note, a lot of those things have happened. So it's been a good life. Yeah. It's been a great life. So talking about training Nala, how uh, I think it was a good thing for us to get started on how we got her just because it was one of those things that I dreamed about for a long time. Uh, we got out of that phase of living in an apartment, into a house. Amen. And... Uh, she just kept, she kept talking about wanting a dog really bad. And next thing you know, I, we're like, I don't know if we have the money. And she's like, oh, well, I already bought a dog for my cousin. And I'm like, oh, good. So we get, I consulted with you a little bit more than that. Not really. Uh-huh. You saw his cute little face and you said, fine. So Zeus is our golden doodle. He's well, like two and a half now. Uh-huh. He's like so two only a couple two, months older yeah. than Nala. So like two and a half. I remember going up there. We went and saw him. And we already started talking about, like, how excited we were and everything. Right. Well, then we got him home and, like, you know, you just go about your busy life and all. But he would run around just, like, nuts, like a puppy. 
Right. But we'd sit there and we're like, well, I want to get busy. It's really like sad for him to just be by himself and be bored because he was just a very energetic puppy. I really remember that. He was, he had a lot of energy. Yeah. He had the zoomies like 24-7. Oh, yeah. So we'd, we'd, you know, we'd play fetch. We'd play with him and everything. But he just seemed bored. So we start to talk about, should we get another dog? And we had kind of ish talked about it and I started kind of just scrolling through Facebook and honestly, how I got Nala is honestly a crazy story. So I thought to explain. So this guy on Facebook posts his dog and he's like, oh, I got these dogs and I kind of messaged him back and forth and go to find out like this dog has like flawless, flawless breeding lines. And honestly, even from there, like I understood the breeding lines, but I didn't understand where Nala had came from until like I started doing some more research and we decided, okay, we're going to go ahead. And I start looking at the research and she actually came from Flatlander Kennels. If anybody kind of knows the hunting, hunting dog scheme from Flatlander Kennels, it's out of Scottsville, if Nebraska. And it's kind of a funny story. I don't know if you know this or not. So Flatlander Kennels, the guy who runs it is Chris Jobman. Awesome guy. Puts an awesome kennel on. And he actually worked with my, uh, my dad growing like I did not like early when my dad was in his 30s he actually worked for uh Union Pacific Railroad with my dad and even at the time I, my dad worked with him when he started getting into dog training and like he remembers like the process in which like Chris went from kind of getting into it to really getting into it becoming like having champion dogs to like start doing his own kennel and so we got we got Nala you should, you should, that's a fun story. You should tell the story of when, when the people end up oh dropping all It was so funny. So these, this two couple came up cause they got Nala for us cause they were passing through Nebraska and they offered to pick up Nala for us cause we didn't want to drive all the way out there. Um, it's like nine o'clock at night and they show up in this truck and they open the back door and there's like five little black labs just like jumping all over the back seats got water bowl food bowl like one's biting the other one's ear one's rolling and we were like oh where's nala and the lady actually was holding her and you could tell like she was sad and she was <laughs> actually like starting to cry and i was like is everything okay she just like i'm so sorry but i just love your dog so much and i don't want to give her up do you want to trade dogs and we're like wait what and they're like, do you want do you want our dog? And we'll take Nala. We really like Nala. And at the time, her name wasn't even Nala. She just had a pink collar. So they call her pink. And um, it was kind of awkward for us because we were just kind of like, um, no, we want our dog. <laughs> but we felt really bad because she grew a connection with Nala. And surprisingly, at that time, Nala didn't seem to have much drive like the other dogs when it came to hunting. She was more of the cuddly, cute, sweet dog. And so that's why the wife really enjoyed her and didn't want to part ways because she just loved how um, loving Nala was. And so unfortunately, we told her, I'm so sorry. You're more than welcome to come see her or visit her or we can have doggy dates. But um, we, we want our Nala and... We took her, and that was that. I mean, every now and then, I think she actually still checks in just to see how she is, and she yeah. loves that Nala's in a good home. And, yeah, so that's the story of how we almost didn't get Nala. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. That was an interesting night. Uh, before we kind of move on, um, 
the actual background of Nala is, if anybody knows, kind of the hunt scene is that, or hunt trial scene. Her dad is Breaker out of Flatlander Kennels. He was a four-time uh, Grand National uh, field trail dog, and he actually passed Masters four times. And then his mom, um, I she went to, I think, Grand Nationals a few times. So she's got some amazing background. It was kind of interesting us getting her and like shade kind of said or alluded to is that she she didn't seem like she had a lot of drive early on right and even the guy that i bought her from like awesome dude straightforward told me what was going on and said like she has a great nose and she seems to be kind of a leader of the the pack and the puppies and she kind of has like that motherly instinct with her but she she has struggled with drive she said you know he's like my dog kind of had the same thing early on. It's just one of those things that you you never really know. And now, when I talk about background and all that stuff, you can buy a, you can get a free dog or a fifty dollar dog and have an amazing one. And that's probably another whole topic to talk about. But you just never know when you buy a new puppy on how it's going to turn out. So I remember like when we first got started with her. Like, I'd throw the thing, like, down the hall, and she just really wasn't. She just kind of looked at you like, what? You go get it. I'm not going to go get it. She loved bones, though. She did like bones. She has had a rough history <laughs> with bones. <laughs> uh, she swallowed a couple couple of them, and we had to get we've them. we've done a podcast on that. Yeah. You need to refresh your mind or revisit or just listen to it. Check out, like... <laughs> I don't know, it's two or three. Pet, I think it was pet insurance, like the yes. second podcast. Yeah, so if you guys want to check that out, it was Ooh. it was pretty interesting. But so we honestly I struggled early on because she didn't have a lot of drive. Now I would say like I would say like month three or four, like the fire started taking off. See, I did what most trainers would tell you not to do. Now the the way I did it was and to try to spark some of that drive was we got her in September during teal season. Right. So I was putting away a couple teal here and there to work with her, you know, throughout the year to train with her. Well, I would actually go out there and I would wipe the scent around and go hide that bird. Mm -hmm. And she would smell that scent and it was nothing but a light on. And she would go from, oh, hey, what's up? To, oh, my gosh, losing her mind trying mm -hmm. to figure out what that bird was. Like, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? So I really built a lot of drive through using real real ducks and i really do think that made a big difference early on on trying to get her going now at that point i struggled because our old dog her name was blondie awesome dog um we worked with her on sit stay you know retrieving stuff but like i would say more of the basic disciplines but didn't really get like real far along on training stuff just become it be honestly it was because of a time factor I and my brother growing up, we had so many things going on. My dad just didn't have the extra time to work with her. And at that point, I really struggled with the decision on, are we going to train her ourselves? So this is, I'm going to let Shay take this that story. That was a hard one. Um, so I never grew up with like dogs being sent off to kennels to get trained or anything like that. Um, our dogs are always like in a home, <laughs> cuddly, watch on Netflix and chill kind of dog. Um, so when Hunter brought up the concept of sending her off, I did not respond very well. Um, 
I and just like any dog mom who like is a first dog mom and like just wants her pups to be at home where she can love them and cuddle them and just provide provide the love that I want to provide for them. Sending them off for four to five months is not what you want to hear, especially when you're a new dog mom. Like, don't take my cute little black Nala bean. This is when she's super cute and small and you're going to send her off and then she's going to come back all grown up and big, like not fair. And so I honestly just kept bothering Hunter constantly. Like you should train her. You know, you, you would be a great job at training. You know, you could send her off to a kennel, but then she'd have a bond with that trainer and not really you. And so, you know, maybe it would work better if you trained the dog because then you would have an emotional bond that no one else had and just like really going above and beyond and trying to convince him. And I don't know at what point, and maybe you can tell us, it kind of just like clicked and you're like, okay, I might as well give it a try. But one day he finally said, okay, we'll keep her home and I'll give it a try. Well, I don't know. It wasn't just one moment. It was more of of the journey. Okay, so I got her to sit and stay really well. It got to the point where I could sit her, tell her to stay, and I could walk 100 yards, and she wouldn't move until I could. i do it. Like, I would, you know, tell her to go or move or whatever. And so from that point, like, okay, she's doing well with the disciplines. My problem was is that I had never really teached heel, and then I had never force fetched a dog and I had never given them hand signals. So I, I I had no experience. My problem was is that I didn't have experience with and I'm the type of person that if you show me how to do something, then I can do it. You know, like right. going on YouTube and you see someone put together a, a put or take apart and put together a brake pad and do it. I can do it once I see somebody else do it or teach me how to do it. And it's all an experience thing. And a lot of these trainers even like I'm going to talk about Freddie King or Chris Chowman. A lot of what they did is they saw what other people that did it, they work on it, and then they kind of make it their own. And then what they do on making their own, they they get it down pat, and it's just amazing, right? Well, my problem was is I didn't know that. So my next step for we had that conversation was, okay, if I'm going to do this and I need some way or somehow to, for someone to tell me what I'm doing or show me how to do it. And that's when I right. came to the idea of getting a training program to kind of walk me through day to day what I should do or what I should be doing because I had the time and I had the desire to do it. It was more about what to do. Right. And so I started looking at training programs. There's a lot of them good out there. I did look at like Cornerstone. There was a couple other ones I looked at, but the one that I finally came down on was the retriever trainer by Freddie King. The reason I did it is because He's got a few of them on YouTube. I liked what he had to say on those few YouTube videos he put out. And I was like, you know what? This guy seems down to earth. He seems like, obviously, he knows what he's doing. If you have know him as, a, like, an actual dog trainer and doing hunt trials, uh, he's got a lot of champions. So it's like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm willing to do it. And I went in there, and I started watching those videos. And the nice part with him is he works day-to-day on he, he shows you day, like every day what he's doing with those dogs. Right. And that's what really like helped me do, do what I've done or been able to do with Nala because it was really cool. Cause I was, it was during COVID. Right. And I actually also enjoyed the videos. I didn't watch them as much as you did, but they are such in depth to where take me. Who's never even like seen what training consists of for a dog or like knew the, 
basics of training a dog I could have watched I mean I could have watched all the videos and easily learned as well and so those videos I highly recommend especially if your wife's like me and they don't want your doggy to leave um you should look into that because it was well worth it it was and it had helped me through heal heal went really well um that was a that that went really smoothly I was really excited about it now this was and if you've listened to pet insurance uh, podcast you've heard the story but this was when we had a big hiccup so she'd obviously had hit heel or um shoot sit heel stay did really well with it my first hiccup with this whole thing was actually I'm not gonna tell the story yet. my first hiccup was trying to do breaker of shooting meaning like she's not gun shy anymore mm. i even with a pop gun early on would mm-hmm. like shoot and she just scared. go to the go to the kennel yeah like be scared didn't I know what to do that. and i'm like i'm itching my head and i'm like oh my goodness you got so like, fr- i remember that you were so frustrated i was you were like <laughs> i remember you almost like lost hope in it you're like she's not gonna be a hunting dog she can't even like get used to the sound of a pop gun and you like got frustrated i constantly had to be like you got this you got this so this is what i like about the retriever training program you can get into a facebook group and there's like all sorts of people in there and you can ask them questions on the page and then you can actually message freddie king direct and he'll get back to you um talk to him about it and i was like you know i don't know what to do he's like well just start making loud noises around her just randomly like clap or do this and that (laughs) she hit she hated it because i like it got to the point where i'd beat pots and pans together like not beat but literally we'd just be like i'd be cooking dinner and nala would be in the kitchen and you just come around the corner and you smack two pans together and i'm like what the hell you're scaring me not the damn dog <laughs> so i did that i finally got her into a pop gun this is and this kind of works into something later on but this is where i've made my first mistake what i would do is she finally got to the point where i could shoot like a shotgun around her and what I would do is I'd throw it one direction send her and then I would shoot that was my like if I could go back and do something different that's what I would do differently because now it has keened her into okay when I hear that noise I'm going to get that bumper so that started another issue down the line now fast forward we're in the snow goose spread I'm setting stuff up I was just about to get started with force fetching well if you've heard the pet insurance um, podcast, what happened? Quick summary: We're setting up the spread. I had some uh, snow goose socks that had these basically wooden stakes. She bit bit the wooden stake, went up in her eye by her ocular cavity. We went to the vet a few times. End up in the ER vet and basically end up in the ICU. If she basically, if basically, if we didn't take <laughs> her there, thing. she would have died. Yep. So. Basically, her old mouse mouth is messed up. Everybody's tried to mess with it. She hates anything oh. to do with her mouth. And she's just scared. Like, she just, that was a traumatic situation right. for her. Right. You can't expect anything less. But at the same time, you're like, oh, gosh, this is the last thing you want to have an yeah. issue with a hunting dog is not wanting to be, or not wanting to have anything in their mouth. Yeah. And so, at this point, it, I think she was five or six months and I'm like, well, there's there's nothing I can do because I'm not going to mess with her mouth. And it was almost like I'm, I would really work on disciplines. And I said, if there's anything else I can get done, I'm going to work the disciplines until they're down bad. 
And I think that was a positive thing. Now, the next step for our, in my training in that situation was trying to do force fetch. In between me doing heel and force fetch, I started doing like some some hand signal stuff, like back, overs, that kind of stuff, just because I was trying to fill the gap, um, which was, it, it worked, but I think it would have been a lot better and more practical if I'd done force fetch first. But moving past that, started to work on force fetch a couple months later. Normally, I like to do it a little bit earlier, like six or seven months, because then they their mouth isn't as strong. Well, I was doing it like eight or nine months. And that force fetch was not fun. Yeah, you got uh, cranky again. I, I was, it was not a fun scenario because either it ended in two ways. Either she would act really scared and like just kind of like got super submissive and just didn't want to do anything or she would like lock jaw and she didn't want to do anything. And that was a very I kind of liked it because she'd run to me and be like, Mommy, save me. And she'd like me more than you. Yeah, that that's not the usual. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Okay. Throwing shade. No, I'm not throwing shade. That was shade. No, it wasn't. Okay, continue. But either way, forest fetch was a really tough scenario for me. It's one of those things if you're kind of going through that stage, you just got to, it's a really like slow consistency thing and try to get some encouragement from other trainers. That's my big thing was I talked to Freddie King like several times in this like situation because I, I, str- I struggled. And I was frustrated and just like anything else, if you get super frustrated with it, you need to take a step back and like reevaluate because your frustration hurts that relationship with the dog and it, it's, it doesn't help the training situation. So you need to take a step back. Um, that was really everything that kind of led up to, I think that was most of the lead up to the first year, first hunting season. Yeah, I think. And you also, like, and you can talk a little bit about this, too, if you want. But, like, even though it sounded like it was, like, a kind of a struggle bus to train on your own, like, I think that your bond with her is the most insane bond I've seen with someone and a dog. As well as, like, she is an incredible hunting dog for being two. Like, this girl has had how many retrieves? Uh, I think last year she had between 150, 200 or 30, somewhere in there. That much, I mean, that that's a lot for a first-year dog, I feel like. And she constantly is complimented on how good she is and how cute she is. I mean, of course, she's adorable. And <laughs> just, I think, overall, I couldn't have seen it happen or play out any other way because, in my eyes at least, yeah, there's some things that, like, you can always work on with a hunting dog, but, like... She's a freaking good hunting dog. You know, I agree. I think that I wouldn't have done it any other way. But, I mean, really, it's uh, it's one of those things that you got to take the positive from the negatives and you really got to focus on the positives because you, the biggest thing that I've felt as a dog trainer is I'm a type of person that I have a vision of what I want and when it doesn't come to fruition, I get frustrated. Right. And it's all built on expectations and so you got to back off those expectations and be realistic about where your dog's at and taking small steps and being happy about the small steps you're taking and not be frustrated about what you want because everybody wants the amazing five-year-old hunting dog that can do 
incredible things like 100-yard blinds or wicked overs or crazy casts. Like, everybody wants that, but the amount of time that goes into a dog like that is significant. And you can get there, but you have to be realistic on the amount of time you're putting in and what you want to get out of it. And you really do have to have patience. I mean, the countless of times you came home from the park training with Nolan, you're just frustrated. If you let that frustration accumulate and get mad at this dog, the dog's not going to feel loved, let, let alone like feel what's the word I'm looking for. Um, well, you just appreciated almost. Yeah. And so like, if you want your dog to have good performance, you also have to give them positive reinforcement and love and create a relationship more than just being a hunting dog or a training dog. And I think that's why you and Nala strive so well is because you're serious when you're on a hunt, you're serious when you're training, but when you're not doing any of those things, you love her, you give her attention and affection. You're taking time to just play with her for fun. And I think those things really do create a bond that is undescribable when it comes to hunting because she knows my dad loves me. My dad's got me. My dad's not going to hurt me. And my dad's going to lead me the right way, so I'm going to listen. Yeah. No, I agree. I, You know, I think that, I I guess, if you ever see it when her and I go to a hunt, it's always, it, there's just a switch that flips. And even when she's on a hunt, like, she doesn't let anybody, like, touch her really. Yeah. She's locked in. Not in a bad way. She just, like, will swerve she, you. She's <laughs> focused. It, it really is. Like, she'll come say hi to you. But that's about, that's as far as it gets. And she's happy. She's just like oh, yeah. so excited to hunt. She's zoned in. She doesn't want mom or dad petting her. She doesn't want random strangers being like, oh, puppy. She's like yeah. looking straight up in the sky, watching for a bird to come down. <laughs> and so, okay, let's let's move into year one. So we get into our first hunt. Um, we get out. It's a teal hunt. It's an opening day teal. And I was pretty, I, I don't know that I was confident enough to have her out there yet. But I got some encouragement from Jared saying, you know, bring her out. Like, you'll work with her. It'll be okay. We'll have a good time. Like, just bring her. So I bring her out there. And from, you can see the whole or majority of the hunt on our, on our YouTube opening day teal of 2020. She does, by all means, she does incredible. Like, awesome job goes and gets the birds and like there's even a couple times where I send her on backs that she did really well on and went and for all intents and purposes had a, had a great hunt really and it was a good time and I remember Dane like getting done with the hunt he's like hey Hunter I'm like what he's like you want to take Boone for a couple weeks and like train with her <laughs> you get that a lot honestly <laughs> and non-dog or non-hunting dogs too <laughs> yeah we'll go to like random people i mean not random our friends houses and they'll have dogs and hunter will like do some training tricks with them and they'll literally listen and they're like whoa this one's like a dog whisperer and i'm like nah he just knows how to train a dog like for hunting and so there's some like basic things that any dog can learn and they're like can they can he take it or our dog please and i'm like ah we're no (laughs) we got we got a crazy household as it is (laughs) uh (laughs) So she does really well in teal. Um, I had some awesome hunts. Um, honestly, like her her first early season, she did really well. Um, some things that we did run into early season that really needed some working on was she was dropping birds. I think it was just from still. She's always had 
like throughout her life, she has a soft mouth, which in a lot of ways is great because then you don't have to fight the bird away from the dog. And then if you get a trophy bird, they don't tear them up. So honestly, I like a soft mouth dog more than a hard mouth dog, but she'd kind of get to the bank and she just like puke out the bird and then she well, she spit out the bird, spit out the bird (laughs) and then shake off and then just kind of leave it there. And it's like, that's, that's one of those things that are pretty easy to fix. Um, and this time, in that time period, con- continue to just kind of work on forest fetch. And honestly, she had an amazing early season. Now, jumping into Canada season, it was pretty cold. I hadn't brought her out a lot because it just ended up being where I would, ha- I would go out of town for something and my buddies would go goose hunting and that just didn't work out. Well, finally got her on her first Canada hunt, get her lined up. And we dropped three out of the sky, and this was something I was worried about because I even worked with her with a few geese and threw a few geese, and she didn't really want to pick them up too bad. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go, and dropped a couple geese, and one was still alive. And something that worries me about a first-year dog and a Canada goose is if you're around Nebraska or maybe if you're, like, say, in the south part and don't know the size of honkers around here, but they're, like, say anything. They could be anywhere from, like, 8 to 13 pounds. Now, there was like an eight, nine pound goose drop out of the sky and it's alive. Something that worries about a goose like that is they'll fight your dog and wing it and then they're not going to want to retrieve it anymore or, you know, traumatic experience and never want to bring that bird back. Well, (laughs) she goes out there and it was absolutely nothing but no mercy. You see this dog take off 70 yards just ripped that thing down oh my and just trucked it i'm talking like oh my gosh just ran out there and boom knocked that sucker over grabbed him and started dragging him back can you make that sound again boof boof (laughs) knocked that bird down knocked it down started dragging it back it kind of winged her a little bit she grabbed it again and brought it back to me it was just the coolest thing and I was so excited. She was so excited. It was just a fun scenario. Canada season, she did pretty well out. Uh, did honestly didn't can to hunt that much last year with her. It got pretty cold pretty quick. But uh, that was great. Uh, pheasant season, she did. I, I wouldn't say that she's a pheasant dog, but and that I I didn't really honestly mean for her to be a pheasant dog at all. But I mean, what do, what do you think? What do you think about her being a pheasant hunter? I just see a little Nala rabbit jumping through the very tall grass, very happy. That's it? <laughs> I think she does perfectly fine. I think, if anything, she actually hunts them more than points them. Like, if she sees one or, like, smells one, she'll, like, get it and, like, almost not necessarily try. I mean, she'll get, like, spook them and they'll go up and then you guys can shoot them. But there's been situations where she just grabs them and brings them to you and you're like no no you're not supposed to actually get them you're supposed to chase them make them fly until i shoot it then you get them but i I mean from what experience i have of seeing dogs and when we've gone on past hunt with dogs i think she does a great job so nala is actually there's two types of dogs in pheasant hunting there's a there's a pointer and a flusher the point of a pointer is to find it and point it out and then a lot of people just hunt with pointers which is great but a lot of times um you'll hunt with a pointer and then a flusher a flusher is supposed to go in there and get that bird up now she's pretty quick and she i mean she's born and bred to get ducks and geese and kill them and bring them back that's what she's for 
So a lot of times she'll get her mouth on pheasants and that's game over. <laughs> but uh, she did really well pheasant hunting. I really was happy with her. The only thing that I would work on her with or continue to work with her on that is that if a bird gets up and we miss it and she's mad about it, she'll continue to just chase that thing because that's what she's born bred to do is continue to chase that bird. Well, sometimes she can get out there and then get into some other pheasants because she smells them. So that's been an interesting one there. Uh, I have wanted to work on her, like, pointing more, but it's just not something that I'm as worried about. Uh, And then I'm not going to talk about it too much, but snow goose season had a similar experience. She just waylaid on the snow geese. She did really well in snow geese season. Honestly, super proud of her. Just as a overall year one, super proud of her, super excited. Uh, loved every minute of it and honestly just had an incredible season. Um, going into year two, and this is one I want to talk about big. My biggest problem between year one and two, and even now, is breaking. Um, she got, it wasn't every hunt, but she got to the point where she'd break a lot. And that's kind of what I'm talking about in that trend of I'd throw it and then shoot. So she'd break her of that gun shyness. Well, that taught her that in the positive in her mind saying, if I shoot, I go. And so I really worked on that a lot this off season was breaking. I would say blind retrieves and breaking was the two things that I really focused on. I spent a lot of time with now got into like day one of teal season, get up there. It's I, Pappy, Jared, Dane. And I've talked about it a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago on the podcast and talking about the ups and downs of opening day, uh, just broke out in front of Pappy and I, and I had to pull my gun and Pappy did too. And thank God we did. Cause it probably wouldn't have ended very well. And that just, it was super frustrating. Um, but here's the positive. I took her out. We went out to your grandparents and we were shooting trap. If you're in this scenario and have a dog that breaks a lot, this is something that I found that was super helpful. And I'll tell you why. We would throw, throw the blue rock, shoot. And when I, as soon as I threw that blue rock, I'd grab her bumper and I'd throw that at the same time. So it was going out basically when that blue rock was, he'd shoot the blue rock and then that bumper would go down. Not every time I'd let her go retrieve, but I would say like two, three times. I, or two out of three times, I'd let her retrieve it. If she didn't break, she can go get it. If she broke, then I would go grab it. And I'd do, I'd go grab it two or three times if she broke. Did really well. Had an awesome time. It's a great family event, too, because you can get everybody involved. Plus, she loves it because she's doing her thing and she's retrieving. And actually, that's a great thing to get your family involved with, too. Like, Che helped out that day. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Remember that blue rock you threw mm-hmm. into the road? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Che threw a couple blue rock and then she decided to whip her arm and actually accidentally went the other direction. I was just kidding with you. Oh, no, I remember what you're talking about. Now you remember. Now I remember. Yeah, that thing, I blame that thing. That was not me. <laughs> but, okay, question for our viewers. If I was contemplating on sending my dog or keeping my dog, in a short answer... If I was going to try to train at home, what are the steps I need to take to accomplish that and successfully do it to where I don't feel like a failure, but I'm seeing progression? 
Okay. So the first thing you need to evaluate is your time. It's a cost benefit analysis. So you got to decide, do I have the time to invest in that dog to make it worthwhile enough to what I'm going to be hunting or how much I'm hunting? Mm-hmm. So if you decide to yourself, okay, I've got decent amount of time to invest or I will invest it. And this is the biggest thing with trainers. And it's frustrating to see from my point of view is there's a lot of people that want to talk about spending the time, but are you being intentional about putting in the time? Now I'm not talking like it, but hours, but I'm talking 10 minutes, two times a day. That's what you need to be consistent and be consistent about what you're doing. Now, if you're being, you said, okay, I'm willing to put, that amount of time with my dog and be consistent to get a work you want. The next thing that I would say is there's a couple things. You can either go in a mentorship program at a local HRC club or two, find a local trainer that'll let you work with them or three, do like an online training program like the retriever training with Freddie King because you need someone that's going to show you what to do. And if you're just winging it, yeah, it might work. But the problem I saw was I didn't see the big picture view like a, a good trainer would. I didn't right. see the big picture view of if I shot when I was throwing bumpers, it would get them breaking. But if I would watch the videos like I did with later on with Freddie King, I would have known that. Right. But. Got it. Um, if. Say I was super frustrated as a trainer currently, a home trainer. What is your advice to kind of overcome those moments where you don't see any progression or feel like this isn't going to work? The big thing is, to put it you kind of just at ease from here, is number one, take a step back. Take a couple sessions and just have fun with your dog. You need to remember what it is and why you're doing what you're doing. It's about the relationship with your dog. If you can't re- enjoy the relationship with the dog, it doesn't matter how many times they retrieve. They, it's not that big a deal to you. Right. You're more, you, you, you're just going to be frustrated. So you need to remember, A, why we're doing it and the relationship with the dog. Number two, you need to find somebody that you could talk to and vent to. I talked to my grandpa, I talked to my dad, and I talked to a local trainer that all helped me, plus Freddie King. So I had a few outlets I was I was able to bounce my frustrations and then bounce ideas off of them about right. how it was able to fix that issue. Right. Because if you sit there, you're frustrated, you don't feel a lot of sense of hope because you don't know what to do. Right. In a situation where this is your first time training, and even though, yes, I'm a good listener as your wife, like you only can vent to me so much, and I just can only be like, have patience, be kind to the dog, like just keep giving it a try. Like as much as that's helpful at times, it's not giving you a solution, and so having those outlets is a great solution. Well, it's to turn to, and it's it's just a basic. I don't want to say all girls are wired this way, but a lot of girls are wired the fact that you when you have a problem, you want me to listen to what. When a guy has a problem, they want somebody to listen and then provide a possible solution to what's going on. And I'm not saying you didn't. I'm just saying, like, that's what we want. And so when the guys understand that, it really helps to bounce that off because you can have hope of, okay, this is what I'm doing wrong. Maybe if I start making this change. Because even, so back up two months ago, or even a month ago, I was super frustrated about the breaking thing. I talked about talked about it with my dad and my dad and I, I'm not 
I guess I'm gonna back up. I'm not a perfect trainer. I'm don't I don't I don't say that I'm a perfect trainer. Two months ago, super irritated about the breaking thing. I called my dad and say, I'm really frustrated. This is a dangerous scenario. The point I'm talking about not taking Nala till I get this figured out because it does not only put the breaking her, problem. Yeah, it does. It not only puts her in a dangerous scenario, puts my friends in a dangerous scenario. Right. It's all bad. So I still want to hunt with Nala. How am I going to be able to do that? And I need to get this taken care of so I continue to. Now my two options are I only hunt by myself so that doesn't happen or B, I get it fixed. So my dad says, Hunter, uh, he's like, you got to remember Nala is a great dog. I said, okay. Yeah, I understand. He said, so take a deep breath. What you need to do is start to work through it the best way you can, but you need to remember that she's only a two-year-old dog. She's still really young. And so you need to take a beat, take a track, and need to try to work through this. And you, and he's like, you know how it, how you can work through it, but it's more about taking the steps to do it and being consistent again. Right. I said, absolutely. So there, there again, I'm not perfect, and I don't propose to be, and it's just about being consistent. Yeah, it's good. I like that. You like that? I like that. So <laughs> fast forward a little bit. We hunted last week. Brad from Real Fresh Catch. He does YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. If uh, Go ahead and check him out. He put some awesome content out there. Uh, just really got into waterfowl the last couple of years. I took him out, and him and I shot five birds. I think Nala somewhat broke once. But other than that, like she had an awesome hunt, and it was awesome. There's a widge in the wind down at. I'd send her onto it. She found it, and it actually dove, and... I, <laughs> she dove and the duck, like you could see it underwater and I went and just grabbed it. It was super fun. So went on putting that uh, YouTube video out this Friday. So if you guys want to see it, you can. So See. that is kind of where we're at in our journey. And I, we still got a lot to go. Oh yeah. We're only on year two. Year two. We got so many more. Yeah. You always are like, when Nolan's gone, I'm like, bro, he's not even, she's not even three. Like chill out she's got many years to come we're good many years to come many years so that's my process if you guys have any questions or in that frustrating scenario i don't pretend to be an expert but i will gladly answer your questions um if you need somebody to talk to and you don't have you don't have anybody to talk to i'm i'd be glad to talk to you right and just a side note like we don't dislike trainers i think that trainers a great resource especially if you just don't have the time let alone um, patience or just like overall want to have that or the drive to train your dog but as a wife who really wanted her dog to stay home and honestly I really did want to have that cool bond where you personally trained her because I have seen hunting dogs in the past who've been trained and then they come home and yes they'll listen to their um owner I guess you could say but they don't have the connection like they would if it was the actual trainer and I think that that's why you have such a great story and connection with Nala's because not only are you her dad but you're her trainer too so well I I don't think I think on most hunts even if somebody else calls at her like she didn't really listen because she knows my voice so well and I just I've seen with other dogs and like getting trained they come home and 
long as they have like the same type of voice and inflection, they listen to right. them. But it takes a while to get that dog like get them used to that that owner again. And so right. I. There again, I'm not dissing anybody. I've seen so many incredible dogs. Oh, yeah. and I There's was pros I, and cons to both. I things. was I was gonna do it, and so I. Why would I ever give it anybody crap about it? Right. No. Yeah. I think there's pros and cons most definitely to, um, both situations. But I'm glad we did the way we did. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you guys have a great night.